Welcome to Payne on Politics, a podcast where host Dr. Gregory Payne of Emerson College sits down with fellow experts to discuss the current state of politics, public opinion, and global affairs. In a world growing increasingly complex, communication and critical thinking is key. This only makes the Emerson motto, expression, necessary to evolution, more true. Hello, this is Gregory Payne, the Chair of Communication Studies, First Communication Department in the United States, also co-director of the Emerson Blancarna Global Summit and also the Center. I'm here with two proud people, and that is, at Emerson we say we don't only study politics, but we live, sleep, and breathe it. You two have done that, so congratulations, Councillor Trey, as well as of course, your campaign manager, who's the new James Carville here at Emerson. <laughs> what was it like, Trey, when you realized all that, you know, all that work had paid off, and you were going to be the new counselor for Marlboro? Well, first, thank you. I'm glad to be here, and it's just, it's been an incredible journey. I mean, back in May, when we, when even before that, I mean, I'd been thinking about running for office for quite some time. I mean, now, when, when, I, did, when was your first thought of running? I was 18 when I really thought about running for office. I yeah. thought about you know the prospects of running in my hometown. Um, I knew that I wanted my start to be in Marlboro, and it, it's it's yes. home. It's yes. home. It's where it will always be home. Was and it so, because you were just disgusted, kind of, with the status quo uh, in terms of what they were doing? Or? I had I had worked for the city for the better parts of right. two and a half years, and so I'd gotten to see the insides of city government, and I knew that we needed fresh faces. We needed some new ideas, some folks who were ready to step up, and people who were energetic to run. I think that uh, we'd had a lot of campaigns in the last, at least since I was a kid, um, where folks weren't really going out and putting in the effort to campaign. They weren't knocking doors. They weren't right. meeting voters where they were. Um, and there was a real need for that in Marlboro. So right. that's what, win or lose, I wanted to really accomplish that, to meet people where they were and to have them feel heard for the first time in a long time. Well, what I was impressed by was the fact that you're out there. You know, I saw your posters. I saw people, you know, you were shaking hands, et cetera. How did the two of you hook up in terms of... Uh, Chase, who of course is known for Emerson Polling, he's one of the mm -hmm. favorite, my favorite commentators. How did you all decide this was a good relationship? So we met um, in Phil Glenn's class, I think. Positive communication? Um, it was, it was uh, argument and advocacy yeah, or okay. one of those. Yeah. Me, yeah. Um, yeah. And so um, we met then, um, kind of got to know each other better because we yeah. were both uh, working on the Healy campaign. Mm -hmm. um, we'd get coffee, talk politics, and Trey had mentioned the idea about running for office one day um, and uh, before last summer he had talked about hey there's gonna be a city council race and you know if the incumbent stays I won't run but like who knows you know maybe he doesn't maybe we could run something and I said well you know whenever you decide to run give me a call and a couple weeks later I got the call uh, I wasn't expecting it to be so early but I was happy to uh, get involved and yeah so since May we've been uh, working and figuring out the most kind of bootstrap grassroots ways <laughs> to run a campaign uh, th this local um, very uh, you know our, our universe was about 3,300 people right um, so it was very attainable to be able to knock every door um, and Trey did um, at least once a couple were two and three times uh, we had many passes um, and it, it turned out really well and, and yeah. Trey, Trey certainly earned his earned his uh, his spot up there on the dais. So now, Trey, from your perspective, many people said, "Gee, he's he's not even graduated yet." Right. What was the what was the message for people who might have said, "Well, you know, you're a good baseball player, but how does it, how's this going to translate into this right. position?" Yeah, I think for me, the big thing was there's a there's a precedent for it, especially in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts and specifically in Marlboro. 
Um, back in the 70s, there'd been a city councilor who was 20 when he got elected. Right. Um, then one of our more recent uh, state representatives, and before that, a city councilor, Steve LaDuke, had gotten elected at 22. Right. So there was, a, for me, I felt like I was kind of a part of that same message of young people who wanted to be involved and really cared. Um, and I, I just, working for the city, I worked for the housing authority specifically. Yes. And that's where I found that so many of our issues are multi-generational and they require diverse stakeholders from different age backgrounds. Right. So whether you're my age and you're looking for your first place, just getting started, or whether you are you know, a senior who's being priced out of their home. So those are both two kind of ends of the spectrum, but they impact all of us and everybody in between. And that's why I thought, you know, it's really time that we have somebody who kind of represents both balances of that spectrum. So um, I think housing, of course, anybody in Massachusetts right. or throughout the country knows that's yeah. a big issue. Chase, when, uh, when you started working with your candidate, what did you see his assets as? I mean, what, when you said to him, okay, this is where what you want to do, what did you think Trey brought to the campaign? Well, just from getting to know him, I knew he was a great public speaker. Um, very Charles uh, Wesley Emerson's very happy about that. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, and very, uh, sort of has that great combination of well-spoken, charismatic, and really knows the issues. I've worked with, a, I've, I've gotten to work with a lot of candidates on different <laughs> campaigns, and very few of them know the issues as well as Trey did in his hometown. Um, and so I saw that as a big um, plus for, for our campaign. And knowing that housing in Massachusetts was a big issue and hearing Trey talk about it locally and his experience at the Housing Authority, um, I knew that was going to be something that was going to resonate. Um, and so we focused on, on that and the way that development impacts um, affordable housing and you know what the state mandates about housing stock are um, and just really getting into the weeds of that policy and all its sort of implications um, was sort of like a guiding through line for our campaign's messaging. You know, you're here in my office where I've been involved in various campaigns, including Mayor Bradley's, speechwriter, etc. What were the tactics and strategies that you all decided to use that was going to get to your public in terms of winning the election? It was really, I mean, grassroots through and through. Yeah. It was meeting people where they were. That's the type of politics that I've been raised to know. Right. Um, is you, you don't let people come to you, you go to them. Um, and really get to know what, what makes them tick. What are the things that people want to talk about? And that really, I feel like, formed a lot of the issues that we started to discuss, um, a lot of the policy ideas that we started to develop. Um, certainly some of them were things that I've been thinking about before the campaign, but right. I think people brought a lot to the forefront. In terms of the ground game and the strategy, um, I think it was grassroots just hit yeah. the doors as hard yes. as we could. We, it, ubiquity. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we, like the ubiquitous <laughs> presidency, you yeah. know, is something that, uh, you know, is certainly an area of study right now. Um, it focuses a lot on, I think, you know, m changing media environments. Um, I think there's also a place to talk about the ubiquitous presidency in these municipal elections in terms of making sure everyone knows who you are. Because in this race, it was so uh, attainable that we were able to get to everyone. Um, and, and we did. And I think that was what really helped with such a decisive win is that, you know, we sent... Um, you know, we we had about three passes of the entire universe mm. on top of a couple other passes focused on persuasion, GOTV, of our positives. We sent three or four mailers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, there was a, an emergency <laughs> mailer we had to send out because uh, early voting was added yeah. one week before it started. Um, so we had been strategizing around a regular 
you know, or, or not a regular campaign, but a campaign where election day was the only day you could vote. And then a week out, they decided they were going to do early voting. Um, so we had to, you know, make sure we did GOTV for that. Um, but I think, it, you know, even though at the time it felt like a crisis, it helped, probably helped <laughs> in a lot of ways, um, making sure everyone had the opportunity to come out. So. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, when you know, in teaching crisis, any type of crisis is an opportunity. How did you make that work for you in terms of early voting? Yeah, I think for us, we saw it as an opportunity to kind of win the early vote. Um, right. By sending out that mailer, we made sure people knew when they could vote. I think there was a little bit of a communication gap between um, some folks with the city and when yes. early vote was happening. And so it seemed like generally people didn't know when to vote early. Yeah. So our mailer was a great way for people to figure that out. And I had a lot of feedback from folks who said, I didn't even know there was early voting, but I got your flyer, I went and voted, and I told people, especially on the doors during that week, whether or not you vote for me, I just want you to know, early right. voting's happening right now, and right. a lot of people didn't know, so I feel like for us the strategy was let's let's win the early vote. If we're going to have that period, let's make sure we win it. We also saw it as an opportunity to reach out to groups in the ward that had been kind of historically overlooked by mm -hmm. campaigns, um, particularly in, in Precinct 1, which is the little, uh, it's a more dense um, part of town, more apartment complexes, um, and just hearing Trey talk about, you know, the history of campaigns there, um, it sounds like those neighborhoods and apartment complexes get overlooked because it's hard to get in, it's not right. as easy to block walk, um, but with early voting, you know, we really wanted to make sure that, like, everyone had the opportunity to come out and have a say um, in the future of their community, and so once early voting happened, uh, our first pass um, especially on the uh, the weekend, there was one Saturday of early voting. We wanted to make sure that everyone had the opportunity, so we you know doubled down in that precinct to make sure that, that everyone on a weekend could have a chance to come out. Well, you know, here at Emerson, we have a very practical political communication program. We, we think you could study politics anywhere, but if you eat, sleep, and breathe it, this is a good place to be. What would you say for both of you, we were talking about some of your classes, what do you think have been the most valuable classes to sort of add to the resume of why you are victorious and as we look at this, as Trey has said, a stepping stone for his next project. Um, so for me, um, I have been really interested in speech writing and, and comms. That's why I chose Emerson um, and doing, uh, you know, working in comms, a, a lot of classes have been instrumental in, in helping me in that field. Um, this is my first time being a campaign manager, and in that specifically, um, Spencer Kimball's classes, yes. uh, looking at polling um, and really digging into the numbers, were super helpful because that's the one area where I hadn't had as much experience. And so having uh, those classes with um, such a great mind um, helping me kind of understand the numbers um, have been really useful. So his um, midterm classes that I, I took and then his unlocking the Hispanic vote class, um, which I actually got the chance to help him with that project and then take Very the class. Very exciting project. Great. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So Trey, how about you as the candidate? Yeah, I mean, I owe a, a debt of gratitude to everybody who helped Chase and, and vice versa because, I mean, you were the numbers guy throughout the entire campaign and just his ability to work on the fly. Yes. I mean, we were working off from spreadsheets and back and yes. forth and really, a, a, they say grassroots. I don't think he gets much more grassroots than this, but it was it was good. But to your point, um, uh, Kerry Thompson, who we've both gotten to know throughout um, yeah. the better parts of the Very last practical. two and a half years, yeah. she's been both. huge. She's been huge. We, yes. uh, I've actually never had a class with her. Yes. And nonetheless, we have we would talk all the time about the campaign, what our strategy was, um, you know, she gave us a lot of feedback. 
um, Professor Hawkins, uh, mm -hmm. Dion Hawkins. I yes. had two classes with him. Good. Um, and both of those classes really molded me, um, especially in terms of public speaking. Um, obviously, he does speech and debate here yes. at the college, and I've never had any formal speech and debate training or any competitions. I think or it anything. seems like a natural right here. So I, I will say it was it was those sort of classes that when really we had the opportunity to speak every class. Right. It was so discussion based, discussion oriented. Um, really leadership oriented. Mm -hmm. Every student brought something different to the table for everybody and we all kind of picked our brains and you know to all my peers who were there too. I feel like we learned so much from each other and we still do and it's it's one of those things that I'm not surprised that we're at you know we're both Emerson students. I think a lot of people at least outside of Emerson is oh it's ironic you're both from Emerson. I don't think it's ironic at all. Uh, yeah, and we leaned on the the Emerson Mafia, um, yeah. from current students to alum to yeah. staff, no, yes. everyone. We we so it's real. It's a, it's a positive thing. Out Absolutely, there. people ask, is it real? Yeah. I said, yeah, it's there. Yeah, yeah, we, I can confirm. It's definitely it is definitely real. Absolutely, it was it was great, and we we couldn't have done it without you know the support of, of the Emerson Mafia and all the volunteers who who came out and supported us. Well, you know, you mentioned, both of you mentioned uh, the ubiquitous candidate, the ubiquitous campaign. Mm -hmm. uh, there was a book out much earlier before that one, what was called the permanent campaign. That mm -hmm. is, as soon as you win or you lose, sometimes people say if you lose, you go to the Kennedy School or come to Emerson and teach. <laughs> so, Councilman, what is your next step? I know you're going to satisfy your constituency, sure, but sure. it appears to me you probably want to move beyond this. and. Maybe he's going to be your manager throughout. Well, he's going to be there for forever. <laughs> so, 14 no on Pennsylvania Avenue, but how about the steps along? Right, the right. Yeah. Well, how do we get there? Um, you know, for me, it, it really is about working for Marlboro right now. Right. Um, and and hopefully for a long time. I want to you know really set up roots here and, and right. serve. Um, you know, the Ward Six seat has been really highly sought after for a long time, and um, you know, people in Marlboro are only the only people who would probably know that. But um, you know, before the last councilor, uh, Councilor Navin. Um, he served for two terms, um, and before that, a gentleman by the name of uh, Ed Clancy yes. held the seat for oh, almost 15 years. And before that, another gentleman, Mark Orham, who's an at-large counselor, now held the seat for about 15 years. So right. it's one of those seats that's that's been really highly sought after. And I, and I want to do my best job there because yes. I know the precedent that's been set. The three of them have done some fantastic things for our community, so I know that the pressure's on now. you really got to deliver. So my focus is delivering. You know, in this next term, and yeah. and hopefully, you know, keeping going after that. I, uh, yeah. And that's that's one of the things that that really um, made me know Trey was the right person for this seat. Is throughout the campaign, you know, there, there's always going to be a discussion about what's next. But anytime sure. I would bring that up, Trey was always like, you know, I, what? Right now, I'm really focused on doing a good job yes. here. Right. Yeah, that yeah. will come. Um, but right now, like. He, that, that, that it's not at the front of his mind, and I think um, by doing the best job he can here um, for however long um, that is, no matter where he goes to, what office he ascends to, um, he'll always be focused on making sure he's doing right by his yeah. community. Yeah. yeah, I think that's a very, very good trait because oftentimes as soon as you win, people say, well, you're looking for the next step. But right. I have to ask the question, but of course, right. doing the best that you can is very, yeah. is very good. One thing that... Uh, was very apparent to me in talking to Carrie, talking to other people, is that two of you, you know, sometimes campaign managers and candidates, there will be differences. You know, they go, well, you didn't do it this way. You seemed, every picture, every time I've seen you on Instagram, you seemed like you were like, you know, brothers on the same team. Everybody was happy. Because, you know, at Emerson, we could read the nonverbals. You guys just <laughs> sure. seemed like you're having a great time. I think we were we were friends first. Yeah, um, right. I, right. I, 
I knew Trey was going to run for something eventually, <laughs> um, and I, I just wanted to be a part of that, and so I was glad to get the call as early as I did. Um, and, I mean, along the way, um, I think there were, you know, uh, not a lot of moments, but there were some where, you know, we kind of had slightly different ideas, but I think knowing that, you know, we both had the same goal, of course, and sort of the both had the same understanding of, like, what's going to help the community. Um, and, you know, uh, Trey has this, had this great line, um, which was, you know, what's more important than winning? Um, and that just resonated really deeply with me um, and was sort of a guiding light through the campaign. And so I think no matter what, we wanted to make sure that we ran a, a clean campaign, one that was positive, one that was focused on the people um, of Marlboro and Ward 6. And as long as we both kept that in mind, I think that's what, what made us work so well together. Right. Now, Trey, in yeah. addition to being a candidate and now a counselor, you're also a very active baseball player. Uh, I have so been, yeah. Tell me what it's like. What what does it bring to you in terms of politics, being a team member of a, a baseball team? Yeah, absolutely. Baseball is one of those things that I've always grown up with. I think I was probably three or four when they first put a ball and glove in my hand and yes. said, go play. So um, just one of those I think baseball has so many parallels, not just to politics, but to life. Um, it really is one of those sports that once you're hooked, you're hooked. Just the same as politics. Once you get the bug, you have the bug. And right. you hear actors say the same thing. It's true for a lot of professions. But being a part of a team like that is it goes right back to a campaign or being a politician. You really got to see the whole field. You know, I was a catcher, so I got the chance to see the whole field. And, you know, there's definitely going to be blind spots here and there. But I think when you're a candidate running for office, you need to be cognizant of the fact that you got to touch everybody. You got to make sure you hit every base, know every play ahead in front of you. Um, and that was certainly day to day. I definitely leaned on that that experience that I had playing baseball and and saying to myself, you know, I got to be the leader here. You know, the catcher is the person who sees the field. I got to make sure I see the field. And to touch on a point you said earlier, making sure we hit those folks who historically aren't touched by a campaign. Um, some of those apartment complexes and those apartment units that you know people don't run up and down the stairs and knock the doors anymore. That's right. um, kind of a lost art of campaigns that I think we we don't see as much. It's easier to send a mailer to those folks than it is to actually you know go talk to them. So um, that was a big strategy for me. Was you know be kind of the field general, just like a quarterback yeah. in football, a catcher in baseball, you know jockey in a horse race. It's all kind of the same. Yeah. So making that contact, door opens and they see you rather than just something on the. TV or here's yeah, the flyer, right. Okay, one thing I would like to ask, and I thank you for taking the time, is when we look at today's situation, many young people, I think many people of all ages, are a little bit uh, suspect and say, why can't we have better candidates? We've got people running for the highest uh, office that seem to be older as well as just other issues. What do you think your message is for your generation in terms of fixing a situation that many people say is broken? If you don't like it, get to work. Um, that's sort of where I'm at. Um, I, I share uh, the the feelings you described, and I think it's you know it 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 is sort of the natural response to kind of throw your hands up and it makes sense. Um, but the only way to, to do something about it is to get to work, and and I think a lot of change happens at the local level. I think I've I've you know my, a lot of my political experience is working in kind of municipal and you know state rep races, um, and a lot of good can come from electing the right city council people. And it's not as sexy as you know the presidency or your senator, um, but 
you can get some, sometimes the city council can be more functional than the presidency and the Senate. Um, so making sure that you look at the whole field, um, look at where you can make a difference, where you can make things better and just start, you know, wherever you can and get to work. So Trey, you're basically saying your constituency is your most important priority. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And, and just to touch base on that, that question, I think Aaron Sorkin said it best, decisions are made by people who show up. Yes, it's sir. so important that we get out there and even as simple as just voting. Right. You know, and, and look, I get there's a lot of barriers to voting, especially in college. Um, it's very difficult to, you know, get that mail ballot and, and send it out, send it back, get the application. I get that there's an elaborate process to it, but it's so important that we do it nonetheless. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that that's why, you know, even talking about bipartisan efforts, I'm able to talk with people who I disagree with because I want to get to work and I want to win. I want to beat them. And so it's kind of this idea that um, working together, but also knowing that we have two different visions and I'm going to work just as hard as you. And I think that when we have two kind of different ideas, both working as hard as they can, that's where we achieve something. That's where we achieve common ground is when both sides are working as hard as they can. So I have a lot of friends who are on uh, you know different political opinions as myself, and I encourage them to just work hard. Work hard at what they want to see, because I do think that there's a lot of commonalities in the grand scheme of things. Right. What's our common vision? We all want a place where our families can thrive, our families can live, we can all succeed, we all get the opportunity to have success. I really do. I think that's the common vision of a lot of Americans. And when we're able to work hard in that endeavor, we're able to bridge those gaps and, and have really big accomplishments. Terrific. One question I was going to like to ask both of you is, you both, of course, eat, sleep, and as I said, breathe politics. <laughs> Who are people, candidates, could be campaign managers, it could be family members, and of course I know your mom is a, is a big fan because <laughs> oh, we yeah. follow each other. Yep. Uh, who is would, who would be a, a, a figure that has been a change agent? It doesn't have to be American. It could be anybody that uh, you sort of look up to as a role model. Um, so I've Besides got Spencer, of course. Spencer <laughs> is absolutely one of them, uh, one of the smartest people I've met. Um, my mentor uh, is Dr. Lado Barbarena, who yes. has worked on the Hispanic study. Terrifically talented. Every, yes. every point along the way, I, I have gotten to come up watching her run campaigns, and at every point along the campaign, I was asking myself, what would Lado do? Um, and and it, that, that seemed to be a healthy uh, way to think about it. She was it. probably whispering in your ear what she would do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and then looking at the national scene, um, I've always thought David Axelrod was a really um, good mind in democratic politics and sort of learning from you know what, what we could apply from his kind of uh, more presidential level of politics to this local race, I, I tried to do as well. Okay. And Trey, how about you? Yeah. I mean, I'll... I'll Putting the quick plug for my parents, they've been big role models for me throughout my entire it's life. Very clear. Yes. They were uh, very uh, invested in this campaign, and they were backbone to our campaign for both of us. I mean, helping pick us up from the train every now and again, and just swinging us places. So I do appreciate that. But um, in terms of politics, I'm seeing the posters around the room. Bobby Kennedy really is my hero, and um, my great grandfather um, was a World War II vet. Um, when he got out of the war, he was going to Revere Beach one day. And a young Jack Kennedy outstretched his arm in 1946 and said, I'm running for Congress. And they ended up creating a friendship for a long time. And he ended up getting to know Bobby a little bit. And I had mentioned my great aunt worked for Ted. And, yes. Um, yes. Obviously, there's this great you know, history to that right. family. But from what I've read about Bobby, he seemed like such a genuine person. Somebody yes. who had just a whole heart and wanted to give it to everybody he met. And, and that's what I want to do. I mean, I, I really want to just help people. And when I see a candidate like that, I really don't think we have many of those nowadays. Mm -hmm. People who are just selfless would give the shirt off their back. Yes. Um, and that's the type of person that I've at least learned that he was. Um, and that's what I want to channel. 
Yeah. Well, I think you have many qualities. I know working on that campaign, it was interesting. Wherever you would go with him, he would be like on the back of a you know, a convertible top, and yeah. people would literally be pulling and yanking. And he was not a very big guy. I mean, yeah. he was a small kind of the runt of the family. But I think a, a book that I would encourage you to read, and maybe you've read it, is the book that he wrote in the 68 campaign, To Seek a Newer World. Okay. Because it's clear when I talk to the two of you, there's a better world out there because of you. <laughs> so thank you for joining us on Pain on Politics. Thank we you. look forward to having an event for you, Trey, later this uh, term. Thank you. So that students okay. can figure out how they can be you when they grow up. Sounds okay? good. All right. <laughs> Thanks good, Chase. Thanks good, thank Trey. You. Thank you. People of Marlboro, you're very lucky because he's <laughs> going to make you, I think, a very, very good council person. But I think there's another step ahead sometime. <laughs> We're very proud of you, Trey. Thank and you. Chase. Appreciate it.